Hey! Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, or whenever this finds you. I'm your host, Chantal Senya, and thank you for joining me on another episode of To Be Confirmed, the latest, hottest podcast series, which seeks to answer society's larger questions about race and racism, because often the answer to these questions remain, well, to be confirmed. Tune in, listen, and prepare to be inspired, provoked, and moved as we dive into another episode of To Be Confirmed. Hello. It's been a while, hasn't it? Anyways, I hope that you're well and that you're all blessed and welcome to another episode of the hottest and latest podcast series, To Be Confirmed. If this is your first time tuning in, hello. Welcome to To Be Confirmed, the hottest and latest podcast series which seeks to answer society's larger questions about race with racism, society, gender and politics because more than often the answers remain to be confirmed. And if you're a frequent listener, welcome back. So today's episode will be an audio-only episode, uh, but it'll be made available across all streaming platforms. So as always, please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share and review the podcast. Now, before we begin, I would like to issue a little disclaimer before today's episode which goes as follows. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast episode are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent any other entity. This podcast episode, including any information shared and my analysis of the, represent- of the information presented is for educational purposes. Also, this is my motherfucking show, my motherfucking thoughts and feelings expressed authentically. And as I always say, I like to provoke thought, conversation and racist. And if I've provoked you to some degree, then I'm very, very happy with that. So I would love to introduce our special guest today. I am so, 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 so chuffed that she's sat right next to me. Um, The guest that I have featured today is on a special episode that I've titled The Art of Activism, Animation, Authenticity and Action. Kajare, our special guest, is a writer, illustrator, and graphic designer who is forging a name for herself with her often, in quotation, sassy sketches and searing satire. That was the commentary provided by Grazia. She has also been listed as an inspirational woman by Forbes. Please listen, Forbes, you know. Um, Her work has been featured in Vogue, UK and Japan, and she has also collaborated with major brands such as Adidas and Facebook and has held a pop-up exhibition at the Tate Modern. Her brand, Kajari Made It, is home to striking stationery, homeware and accessories. Kajari Made It combines cultural references and influences in a way that is bold, colourful and with a dash of playfulness. Kajari Made It stock lists include Selfridges, Oliver Bonus and Scribbler. Kajari released Stay Woke Kids with Cunning Gate in 2021. Stay Woke Kids is an illustrated children's book for adults covering topics such as white privilege, toxic masculinity and racism. It employs humour, rhymes and illustrations to convey big ideas in a, digest- in a digestible way. So in other words, please put some motherfucking respect on Kajari's name, okay? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> What can I say after that, eh? <laughs> so, um, we are currently perched here with our um, Roy boss. Is that how you say it? 
Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, fabulous. Um, our rooibos tea. Um, it's my first time trying it. So um, please, whilst we spill some tea, uh, buckle in. Um, I've got my trusty box of Ritz crackers to enjoy. Um, so yeah, without further ado, um, you know, if you're sat perched in, please put in the comment section what you're enjoying, what you're, what you're eating, what you're drinking. Um, and without further ado, um, we'll get going. In the tradition of the podcast, um, there'll be an overarching question, which will be followed by mini questions, which will dictate Kajara and I's conversation. You'll hear our thoughts, feelings, and the such. But I'm going to stop explaining and get to the question. So the overarching question, the big, big question for today's episode in the art of activism, animation, authenticity, and action is the consumption of art allows for spectators to enjoy art, escape reality, and engage with its unique messaging. This can mislead the consumer to view art as separate to the world in which it is created in, rather than a reflection of the world. To what extent should art be recognised as an instrumental tool for society to authentically critique, question and act to change our realities through the lens of politics, power and race? So, you've heard a lot of me talking, I don't know how long I've been on here for, but I would love to turn to you, Kajare, so please tell the world about you. Who are you? What do you well, we know who you are. What do you do? What's your star sign? Um, where are you representing and what makes Kajare, Kajare? Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Chantal. Thank you so much Hello. for having me today. You're welcome. Um, my name is Kajare. Um, I am a writer and illustrator and all of the lovely things that Chantel um, said. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, and uh, I was born in Zimbabwe. Yes. Um, I lived there until I was seven. Mm. Um, been on this cold aisle ever since. Oh, wow. Um, moved around a little bit within, but yeah, basically been in London for the most part. Yes. Um, and yeah, I've just um, had a very varied, so I'm, you know, writer, illustrator now, but had a very varied career before. Yeah. Um, worked in youth, um, the youth and charity sector. Wow. For quite a long time. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, meandered my way through and, mm. yeah, for the past maybe uh, eight years, yeah. I've been, yeah, doing... That's amazing. Doing my art full time, so... That is incredible. So, yeah, no, it's Wowzers. a privilege to be here. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. I want to say thank you so much for, for being here as well. Um, I was saying to Kajari before um, that I am... I, I recently, well, ignorant, yeah, ignorantly, is that, that is a word, recently discovered um, the cult, some of the culture of, of South Africa being, well, I'm talking about the region and, and the country. Um, and I have major love for you guys. I think you guys are absolutely wonderful. Um, I, even though I love my West African heritage, mm -hmm. um, I'd like a little bit of a sprinkle of South African in there somewhere. I don't mind which country, but I just want a little sprinkle, sprinkle um, in there. <laughs> but anyone that's from Zimbabwe, please, if, if you know, if you're representing, please, in the comments comments down below um show share and show your flag and this has been an episode that has been about seven months in the making um and as Kajare and I have spoken um actually fun fact when I first met Kajare I actually thought the pronunciation of her name was Kazvare so I remember our first meeting I was like hi Kazvare how are you and then I was like oh wait is that how you pronounce it and you were like no but that's okay and I was like no 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 please <laughs> let me get it right <laughs> so you got the pronunciation right um but I've been admiring your work as you know for for a very long time um and I had to get in touch with Kajare to, to provide um you know her unique perspective and 
and to really get into it. And of course, um, as I've shared with Kajari previously, I have a lot of love for the region and the nation of South Africa. So any fellow Zimbabweans, please shout and represent your country in the comments um, below. Um, but without further ado, we'll dive right in to the chat. So Kajari, um, what thoughts, feelings, emotions come to you when you hear the words animation, authenticity and action? Um, I think at first, in terms of animation, it's more something that I wish I could do. Mm. So if I'm going to internalize it, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's something that I wish I, I could do in terms of, yeah, my art. Currently, yeah. it's very, my art is very two-dimensional in its presentation. Mm. Um, but I do think it adds quite a fun element to my work. Um, Your work is great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like the first thing I think of yeah. when it comes to animation. Um, and I guess authenticity is being true to who you are, isn't it? Yes. Um, and I really hope that's evident in my work. Yes. Um, and I, I always say this, but my art is, I want my art to be a resting place. Yeah. And give space for black, black people to feel seen and understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think authenticity has a lot to do with that because, yeah, it's my experience as well. I'm not just kind of chatting for the sake of chatting. It, it yeah. comes from like a real place. Of course, of so, course. Yeah, and I think, yeah, with action, it's, yeah, it's often what you do after you've received yeah. a thought or a piece of information. Yeah. It's very active um, and it evo evokes like a sense of urgency and empowerment. Yeah. So, yeah, taking all of those words, I think those, those would be the thoughts yeah. that come to mind. I love that. Thank you for sharing, Kajari. Um, you know, conversely, um, I had a sort of a sit down and, and think. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I like to say it's not me if it doesn't involve the power of three. So Ooh. in... <laughs> <laughs> that's a word so in terms of um, animation um, I took the very literal definition mm -hmm. um, from Cambridge Dictionary which says um, enthusiasm so animation enthusiasm and energy or moving images created from drawing so you mentioned the 2D element mm. um, models etc um, or um, images that are photographed done by hand or created on a computer and as you've already communicated it's kind of like so interesting I didn't even think about um, all of the other versions of yeah. animation. Yeah. Even when I, I was I looking at it. Went, yeah, I actually went to just one one side of it. Interesting. But yeah, mm. even when I was looking at it, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's a valid point. Mm. Um, but I guess that's the part of like, I guess when you sort of look in and, and, and look at changing your perspective and, and I guess digging deeper into that piece, you know? Absolutely. Um, with authenticity, um, the definition for that provided by Cambridge Dictionary, again, is the quality of being real or true, which you touched on straight away. Um, and when I talk about authenticity within the context of the definitions considered, I'm, ta I'm talking personally about the apt um, and the real and true commentary that you yourself, Kajare, provide um, and the uniqueness of your commentary in that space. Uh, with action, definition again provided, um, by Cambridge Dictionary uh, is the process of doing something, especially when dealing with a problem or, di or difficulty. So again, you've touched on that right on the head. Um, and when I talk about action, I'm talking about the necessity for all of us as a society, mm. as people to act, um, you know, considering our current social, economic and political climate. When I talk about action, I'm talking about, you know, the context of Kajari's action in her work to resist and challenge, you know, society. Um, even myself as a, as a, I say, relatively new creative that's that's made her work more public um more public i find it incredible how you yourself can you know create a piece of work 
you can get the conception, create a piece of work, and it's it's there in in no time. Um, and I believe that in this piece, when I thought about this episode, when I thought about pulling it together, and when the title came to me, that I felt that you know I could learn from you. Um, and I think your work challenges a lot of discourse at the moment. But I hope for those that are listening in, um, as you listen to Kajara and I talk more about action, um, authenticity, and animation, that you are also inspired to you know um, think creatively and engage with politics creatively. So, um, back to you, Kajari. How did you find your authenticity? Um, who and what events in your life um, and creative journey inspired you to bless our eyes with your own work? I don't actually believe that you find your authenticity. I don't okay. know if that's. I don't know if that's controversial or not. But I no, think that's um, valid. I think the process is more getting back to it yeah. rather than finding it. Yeah. Um, I think as we get older, there's a temptation to actually move away from the things that are really true to us. Yeah. Um, whether that's, yeah, finding new identities or whatever it might be. Um, I don't know, based on peers or circumstance or even trauma sometimes, mm. you kind of move away from who you actually are or created to be. Like, yeah. Um, because I say that to say that I feel like I knew what I liked and who I was from a very young age. That's amazing. Um, That's lucky. I had to yeah. I've discovered myself a lot later in life. Yeah, I, I'd be interested to, to hear more about that, yeah. actually, because I think when I was about eight, I found a, well, this is a while ago, but I found a little notebook. And it said, oh, when I'm older, I want to be an artist. <gasps> oh. I want to be a writer. Oh, my God. I want to be a chef. That, wow. that one didn't quite work out for me. <laughs> has to be said. Um, but... I think you know what you you know what you like, and you when you're young, the essence of who you are and what you like, yeah, I think is there, yeah, yeah and I think yeah. it's really important to pay attention to the things that you that bring you joy and the yes. things that you also enjoyed as a child, because yeah. I think that gives you an idea of the essence of who you are, yeah. and so that's why I would say that it's it's mm, not so much finding but actually going back to yeah um, oh wow that's that's so healing though it's very like inner child healing and that's beautiful as well to be able mm. to find that and be like i've managed i've written it down I've, I've done it you know that's yeah. incredible like yeah i love it and for you though what what were you like as a child like what oh gosh what was i like as a child oh my gosh um <laughs> i wow what was i like i was very curious i was very weird i still am weird um but i had a, a really huge fixation on history i Ooh. anyone will tell you, I, history buff like anything to do with history i could even to this day like i will look at a pe I'll, someone will talk to me about a really random subject and i'll go down a rabbit hole for days on end researching it um but i always found actually ironically enough i used to write a lot of poems as a young girl mm. um so i guess i always had that writing streak in me but I never sort of took it seriously I was very I guess now I'm an adult I was very detached from my younger self mm. but I guess that comes with trauma and what I had to go through as a, as a young girl but um yeah I guess little elements of me were popping out and peeking out and I guess now I'm, I'm really living in the reality where I can actually you know put my some of my interests to use really so that's some of what has really inspired my story um yeah. but even to follow on from what you've shared as well I guess um oh actually let me not go off tangent but um furthermore 
like I said, I discovered myself further along in my adulthood. And, and I, said, I said this on several episodes of the podcast, but it was, it was the 2020 Black Lives Matter movement that was the catalyst for me. So, you know, um, even though I, I, I was quite ignorant about my racial identity, about race as a whole, so I never really kind of dug into or, or leaned into my blackness for a very, very long time. Um, but ironically enough, if there were a couple of presentations at school or, um, uh, or whatever, I would, around race, I'll, I'll be the first one to, to speak about it, which again, looking back, I'm like, wow, if I really did, like went into it at that time, who knows where I could have been then. But that was that. Then I went to university, did a politics and international relations degree. And then I did my dissertation on the Black Lives Matter movement between 2013 to 2018. And I had a particular doctor, and I'm not going to name him, but I have beef with him for the rest of my fucking life. I poured my blood, sweat and tears into that dissertation. Um, I got it reviewed and um, the people that looked at it were like, this is incredible. Um, but the doctor, who was a white man that reviewed it, was like, this piece of work is too polemic to be objective. Um, That's ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Um, basically, for those who don't know, polemic it just is another word for saying too passionate, which I think as a black woman, to tell a black woman who's writing about the Black Lives Matter movement that the work is too passionate for it to be objective, I think it's ridiculous. And I actually got a lower grade than I thought I deserved um, mm. for that piece. But yeah, that was a very big character building movement. And again, transitioning into the 2020 movement, um, I started on Notes app, on the Notes app. So I started writing literally my exact feelings and thoughts. And then that just developed into writing longer, longer pieces and providing more commentary on stuff that just irritated me um, in the news, really. Um, but, you know, touching on authenticity in a, in a larger space, you know, authenticity, I feel, and we've both touched on it, I, I suppose, it requires a level of vulnerability in order to connect with yourself. Um, mm. And Breenie Brown um, defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Exposure, And of course, social justice is emotive. And in my view, emotion can't be detached from the action required to champion social justice issues. Um, in the context of, you know, um, art, um, I did a, bit, a little bit of research. Um, authenticity also relates to the risk of forgery, plagiarism, which we'll dive on to a little bit later in this episode. Um, and philosopher and critic Walter Benjamin explains in his essay the work of art in the age of mechanical reproduction um, uh, that an original piece of work is authentic um, and by that he means that it has a specific presence in time and space and a unique existence in the place it happens to be um, therefore um, a reproduction of said authentic piece of work is, isn't authentic um, and I think you know, that's a, a really imperative factor to, to take into account you've got to also look at integrity I think integrity is also um, important in looking at you know um, authenticity in the context of art integrity looks at the tenacity um, or integrity separately as a definition looks at the tenacity um, of one's morals and honesty and of course as we know uh, we have our own political compasses and our own moral, moral compasses but morality does vary on the individual and empathy which is imperative to social justice to to challenging um, such oppressive um, you know regimes um, isn't a skill that everyone necessarily has but of course maintaining a belief system um, which empowers you to act um, and create you know art in your case that challenges injustice shows the connection what I feel anyways between authenticity action and integrity so so yeah I, I, I don't know I feel that's that's how I feel anyways about about that question mm. um, so yeah um, question four then so 
Um, you choose to create impactful work under anonymity. Uh, was that a decision? Influ- what was that decision influenced by? You know, like a producer, Dak. Let's start that again. My goodness. Stumbling on a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Like a producer tag. How do you mark your your work in a way which identifies you as the artist behind your work? I think and I hope when you see my work, you can tell that it's mine. Yes. And I hope that I guess... Some of the markers would be the bright colours. Yes. The black outline. Yes. Hopefully some humour. Yes. Um, yeah, I think those those will probably the, be the markers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, of my work. Um, funny enough, a friend of mine sent me a random fridge magnet and she said, oh, is this your work? Yeah. Um, it wasn't my work, but I could see why she thought it was because yeah. there were some similarities in that. So it, it made me feel quite nice. I was like, oh, Aww. so my... You can tell when it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's got a bit of my flavour. Um, so, yeah, I hope, I hope there are definitely markers in terms of, yeah, looking at my work that you can tell it's, it's mine. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, anonymity, I think I like the separation, at, mm. least, at least in this time and space. Like, yeah. I like the separation between me, the person, yeah. and the work I put out there. I do... You know, I don't think it's always very easy to separate the artist mm. and the and the person because I think they're they're obviously very linked. Yeah. But in terms of like having my face out there and yeah. all that kind of stuff, I basically don't want to be seen. Yeah. And if you see me on the street, like if I've got a bonnet on, like I don't yeah. want you to know that it's me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah. why is this girl wearing a bonnet on road? Like, yeah, yeah. I just want to be out there. Be just, free. Free and yeah. but like I I you know it's always lovely to meet people. So when I do events and stuff, it's always lovely to meet people and like wow. engage with people yeah. in that way. Um, I guess it's less stress as well for you in terms of interacting with people and as well for them because they, they don't know who they're expecting. So it's like when yeah. they have that first conversation, it's like, oh, wow. You know, it's, it's a more genuine interaction rather than like build. Because sometimes with celebra- certain celebrities, you kind of, mm. if you see them, you build that kind of mental image of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That's yeah. what they look like. I think that's what they're going to present. And then you get there and it's a different conversation. But yeah. I guess with that anonymity piece, it's like, like you're saying when you have when you have those moments where people come up to you it's it's more of an organic i don't know if it's like i mean you can confirm but it's more mm. of an org- i feel it would be more of an organic more of a less pressured environment to really kind of fulfill whatever projections people kind of have of you yeah i agree with that yeah i agree with that um yeah i like at least at least for this this juncture of life i don't blame I, you though yeah, i really I, don't I, blame I, you i prefer it this way i really don't blame you um I would say in, in response to you, really, um, uh, in an article uh, written by The Next Cartel, um, in the context of anonymity, um, which I, I thought quite interesting, which I didn't even consider at the time, was that um, they wrote in their article that anonymity, um, and we've touched on this already, but it can boil down to the notion that, you know, sometimes society does look at the artist or generalizes the artist as like, you know, the penniless person, um, the unknown artist. Um, and that sometimes when an artist may taste success or where their work may take off, then society may seem to question, you know, their trust in their motives or, you know, why is that artist successful? Are they doing it for a particular gain? Which I think can be quite of a, a weird um, binary, but I think that can happen in life, isn't it? The minute someone becomes successful, it's like oh why are they successful they're doing it for clout and that's just a different conversation for a different day but what I say is you know why are people concerned with the success of an artist if the work 
is evident um, and provides commentary of a wider issue or a topic, you know. Mm. Um, and of course, as you've mentioned already in terms of in this time and space, um, anonymity being a protection for you, um, you know, uh, further on to this piece and the, the article that I'm referencing, um, you know, anonymity can help audiences believe more of the artist's intention and not question, um, you know, the, the work at, at large. Um, similarly as well, it allows the artist in this article that I read, that I read um, anonymity allows the artist to create outside of the limitations placed on them by their individual lives and egos. Can I say something to that, yes. actually? One thing that I find really interesting and that makes me laugh when people meet me is that mm. they assume that I'm a man. What? So often people are like, oh, I thought you were a man. So that is another interesting piece wow. to me. Like, oh, what is it about what I present? That's interesting. That would, yeah, that makes you think I'd be a man. Yeah. So, yeah. That's... I, I never thought, that's really interesting. Really interesting. Wow. Mm. That's really weird, though. I don't know why. Anyways, people are people, aren't they? <laughs> In the comments below. Yeah. <laughs> In the comments below. <laughs> Let me know. Um, but furthermore, um, I think as well, and you've touched on this already, especially in this <clears throat> wow choking in this time and space as well there is an element of safety that needs to be taken into account especially when we're calling out specific oppressive governments in regimes so even though I present my my work in a way where yeah I present myself in, in in the fullness of myself I have to consider you know we're living in a surveillance state so you know how do I keep myself safe and I think you know anonymity is, is one way and I remember when I first started my activism work I even considered oh is it worth going you know I wanted to actually go into a anonymous line of work i even had a a, a name picked out for myself Ooh, um, what was yeah. your name it was going to be activist x oh. that was what my name was going to be yeah yeah um, but i was like no fuck it i'll just you know put my face and the people need to know what's going on um but also as well um you know, back onto marking your work, defining your work, having your work being identifiable. Of course, if we're talking about, you know, as a business owner, you know, um, marking your work in a way, marking your work, let's start that again, um, helps uh, with yourself, helps, fuck! <laughs> marking your work, um, you know, defining your own work helps you as an artist, helps the audience as consumers to identify your brand. Um, you know, it supports brand, brand recognition, but also allows you to remain memorable, thus increasing your successful business portfolio, which, as you've heard by the bio that I gave Kajare, it's a pretty successful business portfolio. Um, so for me, as a consumer of your art slash activism, I immediately recognize your drawing style. Is, is there a technical term for it? Like the way that you draw? Probably. Okay, I have no idea, but I don't know. But yeah, yeah, probably. Like, uh, but you already mentioned like the lines, the bright colours, um, and I, ironically enough, I literally wrote vibrant colour scheme mm. in my script, um, and your wit um, in, in in articulating your feelings via your trusty speech or thought bubble um, against a topic. And the thing is, the way that I process your art is I envision it as a Jim Halpert moment from The Office. Do you watch The Office? Yes. Yeah, so like whenever I see your piece, obviously it cracks me up, but I envision it as like a moment where like I look at it and I look up to like the imaginary camera as like a, there we go again, right? The nails right on the head. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the piece on the Australian referendum with the kangaroos, the beast and the beauty um, piece with the whole rubbish discourse around Georgia Smith's body. All of those, of course, there's so many pieces of work that you've created that I've lit time and time again been like, there we go. But, you know, I guess in all of my spiel, 
I feel like your work for me as a consumer is is a way of saying what needs to be said, but in fewer words, you know, mm. um, which is ironic because we actually spoke about that earlier today. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, activist art is, a, um, is an art style um, and defined by Tate Galleries is a form of political or social currency. Um, actively addressing cultural power structures rather than representing them or simply describing them. Now, a lot of your work demonstrates a clever way of addressing said cultural power um, structures or schemes um, from your artist therapy sessions to the commentary of of certain politicians of colour who pandered to white supremacy. Boo! Boo! Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow! Boo! Um... Yeah, so I, I would like to ask you, would you define your art? It's one thing me coming here and saying the art of activism, but would you define your art as your version of activism? I guess it 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 can be seen in that way. Mm. I tend to personally shy away from that label. Okay. Because I feel like it suggests a degree of altruism on my part that isn't necessarily my driving force. Okay. Um. So if an activist is a person who campaigns to bring about political or social change, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it will be a disservice to those who are really on the front lines for me to adopt the same title. Um, I create art to make space for joy, even where mm. pain and rage exist. Yes. Um, and for me, it's a really cathartic experience. Yeah. Um, and in many instances, it helps me make sense of the world yes. as well. Um, yes. And so I share it with the world also in part for others to feel seen in their space of pain and rage too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so I share it to call out things as I see them. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's definitely something um, about taking that rage and using humour to show yeah. like the absurdity of like the yeah. human behaviour. Yeah, um, yeah. And one of my favourite quotes um, of my babe, um, James Baldwin, is it says, to be a Negro in this country is to be relatively... Con- Sorry. A James Baldwin quote mm. that says, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage almost all of the time. Wow. Um, and I think for all of us, that rage has to go somewhere. It does, yeah. Um, and so I've been trying to channel mine through illustration. Yeah. Um, and in a way that feels the most authentic to me. And yeah. so I feel like rage, um, you can feel rage, but, and I think it's right and good to feel rage. Mm. Um, mm. But I also try to make space for joy. Yes. Somehow, some yes. way in that. Yes, yes, I think, yes. I think two things can be true at the same time. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, so I think in, even in my book, Stay Woke Kids, many of the topics um, kind of point to the anger yes. of certain situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, especially when you're on the receiving end to them. 100%. Um, and I think my book doesn't make light of them at all, but it points to the absurdity of the behaviour. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, for, for instance, one of the... Um, uh, one of the limericks in there is called mm. Hold Up. Oh! Um, and it's all about a white woman who says she doesn't see colour, but clearly she does. And so when she's navigating through her ordinary day, yeah. you can see that she's obviously seeing colour. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it just shows that, like, assertions like that are wildly disingenuous. Wow. Yeah, it um, is, yeah. Very disingenuous. Like, don't waste my time with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I can understand why some people might think this is activism maybe Mm. it is activism but it's that's how i view it yeah it's not i don't know if it's my driving force i think it's yeah 
Yeah, it's more of a cathartic, yeah. therapeutic. Um, yeah, it's yeah. part of what you do. It's part of your process. Yeah. And I think for me, activism is a huge spectrum. And I think mm. that's why I've created this series, um, The Art of Activism, which there'll be more to be confirmed, at time to be confirmed. But um, yeah, the way that I, I, I view your work is that, you know, it's 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 there for a time and a place. And I think any type of action, whether that be written, whether that be spoken, whether that be, you know, illustrative, whether that be, you know, marching, that, you know, as, as long as it's, you know, challenging social political structures, as long as, as, long as it's, you know, pushing people to act, um, as long as it's stirring emotion in some kind of way, um, I think that's a form of activism in, in my view. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, touching on... Um, you know, activism art um, further on in a um, uh, article that I looked at called The Origins of Activism Art um, by Stephanie Graff. Um, the origins of activism art can be seen as early as the 18th century. Um, there's an example provided where um, in the French Revolution, there's an artist called, uh, oh, please, French people, do not butcher me here. Uh, there's a uh, French artist called Jacques-Louis David. I don't, oh, that was horrible. I'm so sorry. Um, but they were an active member of the French Revolution to the point where his artwork um, outraged royals and was banned from an exhibition. And I'm going to touch on later oh, about... Fantastic. Sorry? I love that energy. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I'll I'll touch um, on you know um, outrage a little bit later in the podcast in terms of reception of your work and and so forth. Um, but you know, in terms of activism um, art, it can be described as works that challenge racism, sexism, authoritarian re regimes, and all warm warm war um they usually have a common denominator which folk which has a focus on social and political issues with the cons with the intent to change or influence public opinion by confronting people with an unjust or problematic status quo so again that piece that you were talking about just now about you know that catharsis that um as black people um being in a constant state of rage that that translates straight into that um definition there i think um you know art is a wider piece um art is created to catalyze hearts so i view that as awareness and minds to enact change so of course widening one's knowledge and visibility and i think that also ties into the action part of this title um a couple of you know anonymous um activist artists or artists i can't define them um uh would include uh, banksy and the gorilla girls um and i really want to talk about an example of activist art um and that is um banksy's piece um love is in the air um so for this piece, um, I'm going to try and describe it. It shows a man throwing, um, well, it depicts, a, it's a graffiti piece depicting a man lunging to throw a bouquet of flowers, um, which is meant to replace a Molotov cocktail. Um, the piece in itself first appeared um, on the West Bank wall um, in Gaza in 2003. Um, and love it, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, the piece Lovers in the Air first appeared on the Gaza, in Gaza, on the West Bank Wall in 2003. Um, now, Lovers in the Air um, uh, is a commentary piece um, on the building of the West Bank Wall, which was built in 2002, um, that the Israeli government built 
to separate the Palestinian minority from the Jewish Israeli population. Um, and at the time, um, whilst there were supporters of the construction um, and people saw the construction of the wall as a safety measure and justified it, um, conversely, um, Banksy and, and many other people thought that the West Bank wall was a separating and segregating barrier reminiscent of apartheid. Um, so, you know, with that being said, um, uh, the image of flowers, my brain is like, what am I saying? <laughs> with the image of the flowers um, that is in the, um, that the man is lunging to throw, um, it's often seen as a symbol for peace, a call for peace rather than, than violence. Um, and I can't really go to the next question without really acknowledging what is actually going on at this time and place. Um, at the time that we're recording this episode, we are currently... Um, looking, witnessing, um, and seeing live and direct the genocide of the Palestinian people, um, of many innocent children and lives, and the institution, institutions, actually plural, um, who use representation politics as part of their brand, um, are failing to hold the Israeli government accountable. Um, with that being said, actually touching on the piece about anonymity and safety and, and all, of, all of that, um, as well, we are also seeing the active silencing, doxing, and harassment of those who support the Palestinian people. Um, the Palestinian people who have been unlawfully removed from their homes, unjustly removed from their homes, aid removed, um, people who are still waiting with their house keys to go back to their land, places of worship, and hospitals bombed. Um, at the time of recording today, there are over 3,000 civilians dead, with over 1,000 children making that total. And again, these people are killed in the name of quote unquote never again which absolutely like boils my blood to think about it as I'm watching it on social media as I'm watching the discourse that surrounds um that it's 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 wild to me um and again that smear campaign piece to to brand those who criticize the international law-breaking brutalist and barbaric actions of the Israeli government as anti-semitic is untrue but as black women um, who understand the lived experience, the legacy, the harm, the tr and the trauma, um, and the genocidal nature of colonialism, um, especially, you know, 20 years after Banksy's painting, um, you know, decades after 1948, I only have two words, and those two words are free Palestine. Um, but anyways, for those of us who um, share the same sentiment, I would please advise you, please write to your MP. Um, if you do demonstrate, please know your rights. Please keep yourself safe. Um, and also for donations um, to provide aid to the Palestinian people um, and also to Gaza, please um, go to MAP, which stands for Medical Aid for Palestine. They are a UK-based charity slash non-profit working to support Palestinian refugees and Palestinians living under Israeli occupation. And finally, on the activism um, piece, um, in another article I, I read called An Investigation of the Intersection Between Art and Activism by Emily Wilcox, um, touching a little bit on, on, on some of your bits on what you talked about activism being. Um, Wilcox states that um, activism can often be approached with attitudes um, as it is, you know, as uh, to, to be seen as, you know, problematic and ineffective. Um, and as we've discussed empathy um, as well, Wilcox actually states in quotation, well, quote marks, to effect real change, activists need to work through cultural means, which again, I think it speaks for itself. So yeah, wow. Anyways, I got that off my chest. I had to say that, but um, but yeah. 
Anyways, so the consumption of art in any form, I'm here, I'm li- like, if you can see where, like, if you could see how we're recording this episode, you'd think I'm about to swallow this microphone. <laughs> I nearly like <laughs> dive my whole cheek into this thing. Anyways, the consumption of art in any form opens itself to criticism, pushback, or alignment with the set intention of the artist. This, of course, uh, takes into account the subjective nature of lived experience of the consumer and their interpretation of said art piece. Kajare, does the scope of whom may see your work and how they engage with your work play a significant part, you know, a role in in when you create? I think when I create work, primarily it starts with what I want to say first and foremost. Yeah. Um, And then also in a world that often centers whiteness, I try to center the black voice. Yes. um, And the black gaze primarily. Yeah. Um, But I think it's interesting sometimes when I read the comments. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I have to remember that people often comment based on where they are. Yes, 100%. Um, 100%. And some people, some people are just a little bit obtuse. This is... I say that um, this isn't this isn't often and, and this isn't everybody because I often see you've actually quite lovely yeah. feedback. Yeah. Um, but you do sometimes notice the one or two comments you're like, oh, actually, you're speaking from your own place of yeah. jibber jabber. Do you want to be saved? Don't save her. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I do. I think as the artist, I sometimes have to separate myself from like, oh. They're not always making a comment on what well, they are making a comment on yeah. your art, but actually it's coming from the way that they see the world. Yes, and you just have to let them do that. Yeah, um, and sometimes just don't interfere in that. That's that's actually none of your business. Yeah, um, you've done your you've done your job yeah. to create the thing. Yeah, and in many ways, which is the scary bit of being an artist, like once it's out in the world, it takes on its own life. It it really does. Um, yeah, and you kind of just have to let it. Yeah. do that yeah yeah um, and you can't yeah you can't control what people think and how yeah. they respond to your work you just have to do your part 100 percent. yeah let it let it do that 100 percent. i completely agree and following on from that i literally wrote in my script today beauty is in the eye of the beholder so you know in in the context of my own activism with my my writing and my podcast work as far as i'm concerned personally if 99 people hated it and one person resonated with it fantastic you know I'm, I'm happy if it was the other way around I'm also happy um you know personally um you know and as you've shared I believe so deeply in the impact and the power of my own work that I know it speaks for itself in a way um where in a competitive world where everyone is providing so much content and creating so much content that it it, it still provides its own unique spin and and commentary on on certain elements and, and bits and pieces and where we're seeing a world that's looking for the the next best hit or the next best trend um that's an achievement um there's an art critic called art critic called danto um, who also describes activist art as certainly not beautiful. It is angry, ugly, and aggressive. Um, it blames, yeah, it blames a difference, an indifferent society for the illness it seeks to represent. This too is activist, for it means to provoke the society into doing something. But then the artist must not be shocked if the audience is angered by it, rather than rather than by what it points to, which again speaks to what we've both literally just shared. Um, and if, you know, like I said in my disclaimer today, when it comes to the piece of work, I like to provoke thought, personally, I like to provoke thought, conversation and racist. If you don't like my work, I will tell you to absolutely 
It's like my beep. But, um, <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry, that was funny. Um, <clears throat> I think the other thing is, <clears throat> it's really important to pay attention to who is hating your work and yes. who is loving your work. Yes. Because even sometimes, whether it's on whatever um, social media platform I'm looking at. Yes. If I see that it's mainly, I don't know, like white far right people mm. that I think saying, yes, I really like the point that you're making. If, if, that, were, yeah. if that were to ever happen, yeah. I will know that I've lost my way. Yeah. I will have lost, yeah. I will be like out to Distraught. sea. Distraught. Yeah. yeah. I'll be like, I'll be very <laughs> upset. Then I'd have to question everything. Yeah. So yeah. I, I yeah. do think it's important, you know, if, if I rile up somebody who, you know, is, you know, again, white far right mm. i feel like i've done my job a hundred percent i feel like yes that yeah. that makes me feel good actually yeah. i can sleep well at yeah, night that's on like my a really good night's sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally um so yeah i think it's definitely important to yeah who who is loving your work who is yes. hating it why are they loving it why are they hating it i think 100%. that's those are good questions to ask a hundred percent um and even following on from that um you know i think in looking at activism, looking at art, um, we're talking about language, and language is so diverse, language is so powerful. Um, and the message, message behind each piece, whether that be, for me, written, you, illustrative, um, this state also dictates the wider impact and reception of a piece. So we've talked about this already, like, you know, um, meaning a piece, you know, created, yeah, meaning a piece that's created hours after something that has happened, and whether that be a trending news or topic or whatever, is likely to get eyes on it because it's 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 on a topic that everybody wants to get their two cents on, wants to get their their perspective um, on. Um, however, um, as we've literally just said just now, um, having a large set of eyes on a piece of work or having a plethora of comments doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is on the same side um, or everyone you know agrees with with your with your work or has positive intentions towards um, our work. Um, and again, I've touched a little bit on algorithms and competing, but you know, we're looking at censorship as well in terms of the, the realm of activism and, and activism art as well, having to, you know, thinking about some social media platforms where if you put a particular flag or put a particular name or something, you're shadow banned for like, what, two, three weeks. Um, like I can speak from experience, like on, on my platform, I'll, I'll post miscellaneous stuff. I'll post the most random and weird memes plethora of people watching it but the minute i put the word met police race racism anything around that i'll have one percent of my following that has actually even seen or engaged with my work which i think is very very ironic um but i would actually argue with that being said in terms of the context of sponsorship that potentially you know um in the case of black square instagram and performative activism that that might actually serve censorship because with that it promotes a lack of critical thinking in social discourse. And I think that really, I guess, when we're talking about lack of critical thinking in social discourse, that also, of course, touching onto your piece on where people are coming from in their interaction with your work, it's, it's, a, it's a whole kind of cycle, isn't it? Um, but that's, that's an observation that I found was really, really interesting. Um, so uh, with that being said, um, your bad Apple's piece, um, in my opinion, was one of the most astute and impactful commentary pieces that I've seen. It currently sits on your page as one of the most popular pieces. What was your thought process behind putting it all together? And did you expect it to garner such a response on social media? 
I never spared it. It's, it's literally. <laughs> I never spared it. <laughs> at all. Yeah. No. I think, and I think what's bizarre, is bizarre the word, but like, there was no special thought, as in, obviously I thought about it, but yeah. I, I, I thought about it in the same way that I think about all of my work. Yeah. So yeah. there was nothing extra special that I did mm. on top. So it's always interesting to me to kind of, when I create work, to kind of see how it's received, because yeah. I have some of my personal favorites that, you know, get a very lukewarm reception, yeah. which is fine. Cause I think it's, it, you know, we all resonate with things differently, isn't it? Yes. Um, so I, yeah, I was shocked. I wasn't expecting people yeah. to resonate with it in the way that they did. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's incredible Kajari. And before I actually continue, um, side note, today's my, if I haven't said it already, today's my first day trying um, rooibos tea and I'm very anxious and I get nervous around trying new foods and things. And why I is say, that by the way? Why is that? Um, I don't know what I'm trying to even, I'm really trying to think right now. Why is that? I think I'm just scared that I won't like it. Mm. Like, I just, I get, I have a comfort food and I just stick with it and I just get like, ah, I'm not going to like it. Like it was literally two years ago that one of my friends was like, Chantal, eat an avocado. And I mm. did and I liked it. That's so funny. <laughs> so um, I think it's, it's just a lot of fear really, if I'm honest with you. Like I have a very specific like comfort food. So like I now love Ritz crackers, whereas before mm -hmm. like for 10 years, I was a breadstick girl through and through. But like I only liked one particular shop of breadstick. Um, in fact, to the point where like I could, someone could give me a box of breadsticks and they would hide the label I'd eat it and I'd be like, that's not the breadsticks that I eat. Like I was very, I could even tell you the price point changes, the, the peaks, the troughs. <laughs> you need to buy shares and whoever created to. those breadsticks. Um, but unfortunately they changed the recipe, so I don't like it anymore. But um, yeah, I just, I get, it's kind of like my TV shows and TV series is like, even with that objectively, like it takes me a lot to actually try something new. So I'm trying to break that habit, but do you watch, I like it. Do you watch the same um, TV shows over a lot. Like I've, for reference, I think I've watched The Office like five times. Wow. I've watched The Boys. I started The Boys, the whole series, one to three. This year, I've already rewatched it. We rewatched it. Um, but I like what I like. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to do better with with expanding myself. <laughs> I hear that. But if you like what you like, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine also. But um, I will say though, thank you for pushing me to try this red bush tea because I, I really do like it. I, I didn't know what to expect. One thing I also like doing, so we're having it, um, dear listener, we're yeah. having it, we just, so it's just um, the tea bag in there and hot water. Yes. Um, I also drink it with a dash of milk. Okay. So you just treat it like it's like an English breakfast. Okay. So, you know, maybe if you're willing to try again, yeah. I mean, so try it this way and then yeah. also do it with a bit of milk and see how okay, you feel fair. about that. I mean, I've got loads of tea bags so I can give you like half of my box and I'll take the half home and enjoy that. So yeah, yeah let I'll me know. definitely, yeah, I will, yeah mm. I'll feed back with the milk. <laughs> um, but back on topic um, with the bad apples piece, um, currently on your page, it stands at uh, 19,445 likes oh, and gosh. over, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, and 397 comments. Um, now a lot of those comments were very much like yes oh my god like this is it um, I have even spoken to you privately and I shared it on, on both my podcast platform and my personal platform and in both inboxes all I saw was that's it like I've never seen something explained so like straightforward and I was like this is it this is absolutely it um, and considering that this was published literally a month ago um, since you put that piece up and you know for me another angle to consider 
you know, is the role of culture and its relationship with art in the art of activism. And I think um, with this particular piece, the Bad Apples piece, I think it really breaks down the need for intellectualism. It really breaks down the whole kind of, you know, essay piece around the bad apples um discourse you know the need to know every single academic theory and literature and and you know um especially when we're talking about a discourse surrounding um the already documented and i quote institutionally racist misogynistic misogynist and homophobic met police um also with the bad apples piece as i was analyzing it i thought to myself like whether you're a vegan whether you're a vegetarian whether you're a pescatarian whether you're a meat eater whether you eat the air i don't mm-hmm. care no but you cannot sit there and tell me you're going to eat a pie that has bad apples in it mm-hmm. like like it was so i just thought it was so on the nose that you just couldn't refute it um you know, like you can't, you can't snow white me. When we're talking about apples, you cannot snow white me. I'm not going to be eating this apple. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when talking about art, you know, looking at question five and this discussion we had there um, around the role of activism um, in talking about globalization, talk about, you know, the, the diversity of language. Globalization means that, you know, some activism can be culture based. Um, and we're talking about the culture of the police here. Um, that's the commentary that's been provided in, in the case of the Bad Apples piece. Um, and of course, with the role of culture and globalization, that can also play a part in the understanding of, you know, universal language and, and symbols. For example, the Black Power Fist is a significantly powerful symbol in protest. Um, and of course, uh, the Bad Apples piece challenges the Bad Apples theory that goes on and on and on. Um, and furthermore, I ask, why should we as a people be forced to listen to propaganda? Why should we be forced to accept that, oh, it's just a, a few bad apples, it's just a few bad police officers, but we're talking about the same police officers with their guns that were protesting, but yet uh, have no problem ramming themselves into a 13-year-old black boy playing mm. with water guns. Do you know what I mean? Um, and furthermore, I also thought, you know, as I was looking at the bad apples piece, that you could really repurpose it to look at different types of um, debate. For example, you know, the quote unquote debate against femicide and violence against women. You hear a lot, not all men. That same, that same concept can apply. Again, you're not going to eat or involve yourself with anything that looks, smells and is off. Um, and again, touching on um, on this piece, um, in the previous episode, if you haven't, please have a look. Episode four, um, Black Youth, Innocence, Instinct and Independence with Kadra Abdinazir from Centre for Mental Health. I talk about the politics of representation in media and the politics of representation. I'm talking a little bit too fast. The politics of representation um, by um, scholar Stuart Hall. He reminds he there. He defines it as the production of meaning through language, through systems of images, objects, events, and language. And of course, this is how the media chooses to maintain the socially narrative discourse, i.e. the bad apples, it's not all of us piece, um, but it's how the media chooses that to maintain the, the socially dominant narrative of a us versus them to further divide and conquer disenfranchised people. So again, I've told you already in private so many times, but again, incredible piece. I loved it. Um, and, you know, another example that I found was really, really incredible was the white ally piece, um, especially after the Battle of Montgomery, the piece where you had the chair um, and it was the TED talk and it was like, this is what it means to be a white ally. Again, mm-hmm. I absolutely creased myself like, that's it. Like, I mean, funny enough, I didn't get any comments from that when I shared it on my platforms, but maybe it was a few of the white folks kind of feeling a little bit like, oh, <laughs> maybe it's that simple to be an ally but mm. what do we know <laughs> no, exactly. um, 
Literally. Um, so your book, Stay Woke Kids, was published in 2021, um, just after 2020, which was a was a blurb there. Fuck me. Start that again. <laughs> Your book, Stay Woke Kids, was published in 2021, after 2020, which was a socially and politically charged year. In a society where we're seeing woke used as a pejorative term and the rise of censorship against critiquing white supremacy, how does your book reflect the current state of affairs? I think, sadly, it's still very relevant. Yeah. Um, and the same issues are here, just in different forms. Yes. And it's interesting, actually, at the beginning of the year, I thought to myself, I wonder if I could actually go a whole year without posting. Wow. And just literally just repost things that I've done before. Really? And I think there's a degree to which I could have done that because yeah. a lot of the same issues and same things... Coming up. They come up, and that's... Obviously, that's sad. Like, yeah. You know, I would hope that as a society, yeah, um, we would move on. But yeah, we're still yeah grappling with a lot of the same things, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's so true. Um, so true. So yeah, basically everything that I've written in my book still stands. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. I'm looking at it like in the flesh. It is so cute, oh, and thanks. like the eyes and the I didn't notice that. Um, obviously, you won't notice that online, will you, until you see it in the flesh. But there are eyes in the gaps in the A and the O, which I think is really, like, awake. Like, mm. anyways, that's me just digesting it, like, mm -hmm. thinking out loud as, as we're recording. But that's pretty cool. I love it. It's beautiful. Oh, thank it's you. It's beautiful. But, yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I think people who use woke in the way that they do... Yes. ...is... It's just embarrassing. I find it so embarrassing. <sighs> like, I look at them, I get secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. I'm like... You know, and especially when you you ask them, what do you mean by that? That's when they start scrambling. Yeah. That's when they start um, sweating. Um, um, yeah. Because they know yeah. what they're doing. They do, they do. And as you were talking, I was even thinking like, again, you have to colonize language. Like you mm. couldn't think of your own term to, to pull up when we're talking about, what well, if you're talking about challenging what we're saying. Um, and actually I'll, um, a quote that you shared in an article um, for Black Blossoms, um, your quote was, stay woke because despite white majority culture thinking it's a slur, we don't have to see it in the same way, which I very much mm. um, agree. Um, and if you don't mind, um, there's, a, there's a page in your book um, uh, called Bow Down um, and it talks around immigration discourse um, and the limerick um, or limerick poem? Limerick. Um, um, limerick fab yeah. the limerick um, goes immigrants are taking our jobs no wait all immigrants are slobs but when we move countries we don't give a monkeys we're expats we're awesome we're gods now if that doesn't tell you about the culture of the uk um i don't know what will um, and funny enough actually on my way into the studio I saw on the tube there's an advert for a particular um, institution where they said, um, AI won't take all of your jobs, which I thought to myself, that's a really interesting campaign to run. Mm. Why is it that software is given more compassion and more of a devil's advocate position than humans? Why is, why is it the same grace extended to them? Why is that debate not understandable, not computable when it comes to, to, to refugees that are, that are coming into the country to, to build a better life for themselves, to, to flee from, from, you know, dangerous situations. But again, when we're looking at, you know, the government and, and their policies on, on immigration, I, I think it's, yeah, it speaks for itself, really. Um, in terms of, you know, looking at, um, you know, Stay Woke Kids and, and the impact of that book, um, again, touching on... Um, uh, episode four with uh, Kadra, 
um, innocence and independence. Um, there's a piece on, you know, challenging the school curriculum and the need for education. You know, your book out here, as you've said, is a is a piece that's really out there to support people in digesting, you know, huge concepts, you know, huge, huge concepts around race, gender, um, politics. Um, and again and again, we're seeing our government saying that, you know, it's unnecessary to have gender education. It's unnecessary to have um, education where, you know, the British government and their role in this transatlantic slave trade and the impact of that is it not is to be acknowledged at schools it's 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 yeah it's pretty interesting um but with that being said um very recently actually literally this week um in an article by the guardian um the children's book publisher scholastic um has said in the u.s that they will separate its titles in elementary in, in elementary school book fairs by race, gender and sexuality, allowing school districts to either include or exclude the list, which I think is absolutely wild. Um, yeah, absolutely wild. Um, and the decision was made in a response to dozens of state laws restricting how the topics are discussed in schools, which again, if we're looking at educating people on being aware of the world that we're living in and how it impacts them as young children individually, but also the world that they are witnessing at large in the society that we're seeing as a whole, that is, it's, it's detrimental to have these laws that are put in place. Um, now, with this publisher, they actually released a statement, which I will, um, which I'll actually... Uh, Oh my God, my brain, which I'll actually read out loud, um, which says there were there are now enacted or pending legislation in more than 30 US states prohibiting certain kinds of books from being in schools, mostly LGBTQIA plus titles and books that engage with the presence of racism in our country. Because scholastic, scholastic book fairs are invited into schools where books can be purchased by kids on their own, these laws create an almost impossible dilemma. Um, back away from these titles or risk making teachers, librarians or volunteers vulnerable to being fired, sued or prosecuted. We cannot make the decision for our school partners around risks on what they're willing to take based on the state laws and local laws that apply to their district. So these topics and collection, so they made a list, as mentioned, um, where am I? I've lost my trail of thought. You know when you're reading something and then you lose where you mm. were? That's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot, I'm going to go back here. We cannot make a decision for our school partners around what risks they're willing to take based on the state and local laws that apply to their district. So these topics and this collection have been a part of many planning calls that happen in advance of a shipping fair. We don't pretend that the solution is perfect, but the other option would be to not offer these books at all, which is not something that we'd consider, end quote. And I just kind of want to touch back on, again, your book and how that, how does that feel for you? You know, um, yeah, how does that feel for you in terms of writing the book, creating the book, um, developing it in, in the context of all of this? What do you mean? In the context of understanding that we are in a world that is seeking to to silence um, this type of literature, that's seeking to to not give this to children, you know, that that doesn't want children to learn about race, that doesn't want children to learn about gender, that doesn't want children to learn about you know toxic masculinity as such. Mm. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm being a little bit unclear. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it speaks to the societies in which we live, isn't it? And I think um, I once made an illustration of Henry VIII. Um, and I think it said something like, how many times are you lot going to learn about my, me and my baby mums? Ah! Or something like that. And yeah. I think, um, yeah, often, especially in England, if we kind of contextualise it to, to here. Yes. Um, what we tend to learn about in the school system is very limited. And it's yeah. it's often the glory days, isn't it? It's so diluted. World, World War Two. Oh, we were victorious then. Yes. Oh, you know 
Henry VIII and I can tell the whole syllabus. Like yeah. it's it's literally Henry VIII, World War Two, Cold War, um, a little bit of Queen Victoria, um, and, and that's about it. That's yeah, that's it. And I think that's done from a obviously they know what they're doing, but it's also really anyway the way that I see it is it's from a place of insecurity, isn't it? A hundred percent. Um, and I think often, especially like if you're telling a story to somebody about something, if you only tell the good bits of what, what your behavior was and not actually, oh, actually, but I also did this. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're just, you're not, you're not painting an accurate picture. You're not, you're really not. And Um, you're, you're not at all. And I think for me with my work and my activism, a lot of my education was outside of the institution of education. So for example, in my history level, we learned about um, Israel and Palestine and it was so diluted. It was very much like, oh, the Balfour Declaration was sent and that was it. And Mm. now we have two countries. And it was like, oh, okay, interesting. When it came to the civil rights era, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, that was it. There was no actual mention of the British, like British role of, um, you know, the transatlantic slave trade, which led right into the civil rights era movement. There was, there was nothing. In fact, they even dashed a little bit of, here you go, watch a bit of Roots. <laughs> that can be your education for there today. Like it's, like you said, it's, it's, it paints a really inaccurate picture. It's also doing a disservice to people. You know, let's, God forbid in the UK, they were saying, let's ban these titles and they, they put your book on a list and say, let's, let's ban state work. Here's that, that would again, hold a significant detriment to people being able to access knowledge and again everyone has different ways of digesting um, um, concepts you know for example looking at your book for example looking at an an essay that's been written for example and I think you know this kind of I guess the question or the um, I guess I I call it a worry for me anyways the worry of censorship around white supremacy only provides an, an imperative for us as people as people that like to to be activists, that like to act, um, the impressive nature to educate to educate people, uh, to educate you know yourselves. And I feel like, as I've said already, your book has a di- a, a really great way of diversifying the way that an artist um, or an activist goes to to get their points across. So next question. Um, unfortunately, there are disparities in visibility for black businesses, creatives and plagiarism, which is common for black creatives. Have there been challenges or hindrances to your art and your creative processes? And if so, how did you navigate them? Um, yes, there have been challenges. Wow. <laughs> um, Spill the tea. <laughs> I think... The challenge really is to keep going, yeah. if I'm honest with you. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of black businesses uh, are less likely to receive funding yes. um, just across the board, and especially uh, black female-led businesses mm. are even less likely to get... It's true. I think it's like 1% or 0.1% of... Like, it's, it's a ridiculous number, like, it, it's black businesses. But then when you think, oh, let's interrogate that number and how many yeah. women are at the helm, wow. it's even more shocking. Wow. Um, don't quote me. I think it's... But it yeah. is... It is it's still, like, yeah. tragic. It's under 5%. Yeah, under 5% of funding, like, wow. Yeah, it, like, capital seed Wild. funding whatever those words yeah. are i don't know i'm not a finance bro finance yeah. bros put it in the comments below exactly <laughs> tell us literally um and you know some of my you know some of my favorite uh black businesses have actually shut down in the past 18 <gasps> months what just just because of 
I don't know. I think there's. I think there are obviously there are a lot of reasons as to why people will kind of fold their businesses. But like, oh. when I've seen, um, you know, the the oh, when I've seen the announcements that they've you know put out, I'm like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get it. Yeah. And yeah, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And like, honestly, even this past year myself, I've been like, oh, like, just pack it, pack it in, shut up shop, <gasps> because no, no, honestly, like, it's it's not easy. Um, it's really not easy. Would you really pack up shop? Please don't of go. Of course. Like, what? not Yeah, of course. I, yeah, I would, but not for now. Okay, good. I was going to say, not please, now, this better not be a that's, farewell. That's just how I feel today. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There are definitely days where I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. So, so how do you navigate then? How have you navigated these challenges to your work? Um, I mean, you said keep going, but like keep going. Else. I think having a good support system, so mm. definitely like family, yeah, is a good support system um, and friends. Yeah. Um, I also have a lovely group chat with some other ah. uh, black female boss babes. Woo, woo, woo. Shout out to you lot. Um, and even this past week, I was yeah. in there ranting like, rah, 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 rah. can yeah. you believe this? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I think it's important to have those spaces. 100%. Because some, some things are not meant for online no, they're not. No. consumption. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. leave it in your group chat. And yeah, I'm really grateful to have that space yeah. of people who, who get it yeah. um, and who are navigating the same, if not similar spaces as you. Yeah. Um, I think that really helps. Um, yeah, and it's just yeah, it's literally one one foot in front of the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. not easy. Wow. It's actually not easy. It really isn't. Even in the time that I've been doing it, it's just been like oh, like it gets to a point where there's just even for me like when it because I do a lot of writing when I can. Sometimes I'll look at the news and I'll be like, oh, there's there's five different topics. I'll have five different concepts of five different pieces. But it's like by the next week, it's like oh wait, there's more. Mm. Oh wait, there's just okay. Like how am I meant to navigate this and 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 try and communicate my feelings, but also what I think society should do as a whole. Also, like you said, it's cons- the same issues are coming up again and again and again. Why do we have to have these conversations again and again and again to to understand what's actually going on in the you know in the case of um, Israel and Palestine? Why are we still going on? And on 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 when what really needs to be acknowledged is that the Palestinians are living under an apartheid state like there needs to be change now there needs to be a ceasefire now there needs to be you know people being seen in the international criminal court of law now do you know what Mm. I mean like it's 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 jarring um and I think you know adding on to the bits that you shared as well with hindrances to work for me personally like I've already seen hindrances to my work but I try I try a lot of the time you know it's hard um you know I I think everyone would be lying if they said that you know some type of negative feedback doesn't kind of sting a little bit but it's life we kind of get up and we we move on um but with that being said for me you know it's by the by it is what it is um but as I've grown and grown and grown in my work I've seen a lot of not a lot, that's not a lot, God forbid I reject that on myself, but mm. I've seen little, like, you know, flirtations of, of hindrances. Like there's an example I can give you listeners today. Um, I was working, oh, let me try and phrase this in a way that is diplomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, an example, a couple of years, a couple of years ago, a year ago, I was asked to write a piece of work um, for a particular media house. Um, this piece of work um, would, 
it includes my cultural um, heritage and, and little bits and pieces there. And it was meant to go to an external media house and, and this, that, and the third. I'd written the piece. I'd co-written the piece, actually, with someone. Um, sent it to the people that had requested me to write the piece. Fantastic. All I needed to wait for was the link to, to share with people. Anyways, the link gets shared. I click on the piece, and I find out that my name had been taken out and everything else that had specifically identified me was removed. Now, I went back to the people that had asked me to write this piece of work, and I was like, I think this is so Disrespect. I had to be professional, so I was like, this is so disrespectful. You of all people know that I take my work seriously. Um, how could you? And the people at the time were like, oh, we're so sorry. You know, with media, it's just how it is. It's just it's just the way that it works. And, and oh, we'll, we'll have a chat. We'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, they even had the audacity to, to even say to me, oh, this person's really upset. They're going to try and fix it. They're going to try and fix That's it. That's outrageous. What was it? I, I'm still not getting their rationale. I... You tell me. I, I don't know. So anyways, I, I told them, you have, you have two options. Either you, take the, you tell them to take the piece down or you tell them to put everything back where I left it because it's very disrespectful. Oh, but the media house wanted to go with the bigger name. I was like, I don't care. Anyways, by the end of the day, they fixed it. They got everything put up. And also actually, side note, I said to them, if I didn't click on the link, y'all wouldn't have told me that that happened. So like, you're also complicit. As much as you want to say, oh, we don't know, you're complicit. Anyways, um, wow. please. <laughs> um, so, uh, so with, where, who, where do we need to go? Who, who are we jumping after this? <laughs> I can't say, I can't say. Um, but yeah, I can't say at the moment, but it was, it was a, for me, but you it was know, a, that's, that's a very mad thing. I've, I've done an illustration on this before where often you feel like you have to protect, people do the most wild things. Like A lot what? of these institutions, a lot of these companies. Mad. They do the, the maddest of things and then Mad. you can't even call them out, really. You, uh, the way that they uh, deserve. The way they, I mean? they deserve like, to be dragged. They don't... It's wild. But thankfully, you know, the co my co-author backed me all the way. Another incredible black woman who I hope to have on this podcast very soon. Um, but she all the way was like, you need to get this on. It's unacceptable. Good. They rectified it. They apologized. They were like, oh, the journalist would like to speak to you. I, want, I don't want to speak to them. <laughs> mm. It's done. It's dusted. I've even had people say to me, oh, um, in terms of challenges to my work, I don't want people to think of you when they think of race equity. Um, Girl, girl, if uh, I open my mouth oh and my say gosh. names and places, people will be down my fucking throat, okay? But I, oh I take, no, do you know what I mean? I take all of that as, well, you see the impact of my work um, and whatever hindrance you thought you were proving to me has proven insignificant because I'm still doing my race equity work, bitch. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm still fucking here. Um, and it, it really fucking jars me. And do you know what's really funny? Many months after, I was blessed enough to have a life-changing opportunity to work with Grazia, where I wrote my piece on unconscious bias with, mm. with um, Prince Harry. And again, that was my first ever um, piece with, with a big, big, big media house. And did I have to do a, a, have a sit down with them telling them to put my name back on the piece? No, I didn't. Mm. So it, it, for me, again, that was a huge character building moment. It still is a character building moment as a young professional that is still navigating her way through the world and, and still trying to, because I, I don't know about you, but I find a lot of the time when it comes to successful black women, when it comes to black women who are so outspoken, who are so you know unapologetic in their own art form, there is such a weird need to humble them or belittle their accomplishments. And I think time and time again, like if you are insecure in yourself, 
just say that mm. and just deal with that by yourself why are you projecting that onto me because if it was someone else you may not have the same you know the like you said a support system like you know your group chat or your friends or you know a good enough self image that could really break down somebody that could break down someone's defense system i had someone's an ex-friend say to me one time oh you use big words for no reason mm. again these big motherfucking words have got me on my motherfucking podcast and have got me a motherfucking grazia magazine so how about that do you know what i mean like it, mm. it, it, it is so like oh i could talk about challenges all the time but yeah, it you know, like Beyonce says, I'm one of one, I'm the only one. Don't yes. even waste your time trying to compete with me. No one else in this world can think like me. So I think when it comes to, you know, anyone that's listening that is a black business owner, that's also creative, that's that's also, you know, putting their work out there and trying to navigate your own challenges and please put in the comment section, please you know um tag us in your responses. Have you had any challenges to your work? If so, you know, how have you overcome them? have you had any similar experiences to Kajara and I, you know, and have you got that sisterhood? Have you got that safe space where you have family, where you have friends um, that can lift you up? But my goodness gracious, like I say, I know you've been in the game for a long time, but yeah, in my, in my beginning stages, it's been a lot of having to navigate BS mm. and having to really, again, I can't say right now, but it's having to just think, okay, that's a note to take in because I know that when I grow, we'll have to probably deal with, with other types of, with ish as well. So yeah, yeah anyways, sure. I could keep going for forever, but I've got, I've got it off my chest. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's outrageous. <laughs> I can't believe that. Outrageous. But again, when I can say what I can say, what I want to say, mm. I will say it, but why like when i tell you like when that person said i don't want people to think of race equity when they think of you i remember thinking you are fucking mad you are absolutely fucking mad but let me not i don't even want to say too much yet but let's keep that step in mm. so as an artist do you feel the current art landscape does justice to authentically critique question and um act to change our realities of, system, of systemic oppression. Um, and for that, I put race, gender, and class through the lens of politics, power, and race. I think it, yeah, there's, there are always artists speaking if we look close enough. Yes. Um, uh, there's a, an exhibition on a, at the moment. I don't know whether you've, you've had a chance to go there, but it's at the Barbican, um, the Curve. It's called... Um, Chorus in Memory of Flight. I haven't, no. Um, and it's by an artist called Julian Knox. Um, and it basically uh, tracks or talks about the black diaspora in Europe. And wow. just often we think, you know, basically racism is everywhere, isn't it? Everywhere. And you, you just basically get a, a different yeah. version of it. Yeah. Um, and it kind of deals with that. Yeah. And you meet, yeah, just black people from yeah all over yeah. europe and it's just a beautiful exploration of of that yeah yeah um, so yeah. if you get a chance definitely i go will and see, do definitely yeah. go and see that it's free um yeah i think artists are speaking all the time i think often they just don't have the mic yes that's 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 all that it is yes um and i think yeah sometimes we have to either go looking or 100 percent. maybe just open our eyes sometimes really yeah um yeah that's no shade like sometimes yeah, we do have to we, just, we just yeah, have to. Yeah. be a bit more yeah circumspect and aware of what's going on but yeah there, there are definitely always 
utter speaking, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, and following on from what you've just shared, um, an artist called Ai Weiwei um, has famously, um, they are a Chinese artist who has famously worked with various mediums, materials and styles. And his work um, uh, is, is well known for critiquing the Chinese government, which has pushed him on the international stage. Um, and he says, um, similar to having a mic and, and, and just opening our eyes and speaking, really, he says, and I quote, an artist must be an activist, aesthetically, morally, or philosophically. This does not mean that they have to demonstrate in street protests, but rather deal with these issues through a so-called artistic language. Without that kind of consciousness, to be blind to human struggle, one cannot even be called an artist. Ooh. A powerful mm. quote. Powerful, powerful quote from this artist. Um, and in terms of art that speaks on the on the landscape that speaks to critique um you know society as a whole um there's a there's a you would have seen it um it was in the peak of 2020 it's a series called stolen um by the artist um adrian brandon um and the series stolen is dedicated to um black people whose lives were robbed at the hands of the police mm. and the series touched on grief and the unknown so with this artist what they did is that they would draw um the individual um but they would color them in, they would color them in um using a minute for a year of their life so for example they did um that's heartbreaking heartbreaking a really beautiful series though oh like and just put into context again like the brutality of violence that that us as black people face um mm. they did one of tamir rice and again only coloring in for 12 minutes do you know what i mean like and it's just that seeing of that like it's unfinished like they weren't able to live their lives to the fullest fullest extent george floyd um adrian did a, adrian uh, brandon did a piece he was colored in for 46 minutes Breonna taylor was colored in for 26 minutes wow. um and again, really poignant. Um, but again, as I was writing this script, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's one that comes to mind as one that really critiques the, the social landscape. Um, I haven't seen more of their recent work. I hope they're still out there. If there is, I would like to have a look at it. Um, but I feel controversially actually that I don't think there is enough um, activist art out there. I don't think there's enough of a variety out there. Um, but rather, I think what we're seeing is a huge population of Instagram infographics. Mm. Um, where you know and i think you know it's great in terms of having that information but i think we're seeing a huge surge of infographics and i think um i don't know i just think to some extent it can encourage people to be a little bit lazy i think it encourages people to to not use their own voice and use and dig deep inside themselves and think obviously it's great to educate yourself please do that before you speak on a topic but i just think it's imperative for us as human beings to really act um, I don't think it's okay for us to sit down and be like, oh, it's okay. Like, Kajara will put a post up, I'll just share it. Or Chantal will put a, a piece up, I'll just share it. Like, it'll be absolutely fine. But yeah, I just think it, it, it yeah, it just ties into lack of, of critical thinking. Um, you know, it's, it's the bit of like, oh, I've done my part. I've done the sharing. I've shared 10 pieces. No, use your voice and do your thing. Hello, viewers, wherever you are. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Uh... We're taking a little break now, but stay tuned. We're going to play Wavelength again, everyone's favorite game. So uh, stay tuned and uh, I love you. Bye. Kajare, what does action as a consumer of art and a creator of art look like tomorrow and beyond? Is social political equity obsolete? Um, one thing that I have loved, actually, is mm. um, hearing that teachers 
have used um, my artist teaching tools. What? Um, wow. For their classes. Amazing. Um, that really, yeah, I've been really moved by that actually. Yeah. Um, and I think um, education to me is always an active movement. Yes. Um, so yeah, even going back to, you know, what you were saying earlier about, you know, certain books being taken out of, mm. taken out of action or just not, not allowed in, in schools. It's for me, you know, in a very small way, it's amazing that there are some teachers that yeah. are, are still taking back yeah. that power yeah. and taking back, yeah. Um, yeah, the work yeah. back into, into schools and doing, oh, that's beautiful, doing lovely stuff with it. So that, that excites me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think for me, like as, especially as a creator of art, mm. um, I'd love to be comfortable enough to be able to fund other artists to create yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and create art. Um, and for that, often you need time and space and not have to worry about your bills. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so I would love to be in a position to be able to do that. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's one, yeah, one way of being active, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, and, yeah, I think it's amazing to be able to, I guess, use your voice yes. to, to speak on things. But also empower other people's, empower other people to do yeah. the same. Yes, um, so I feel like that, yeah, I think that's, for me for me anyway, that's yeah. where the action would come in. Fantastic. Thank you, Kajari. Um, I think adding on to what you, actually, drinking game, as you're listening through this um, episode, mm-hmm. please take a shot or a swig of whatever you have whenever you, whenever you hear me say, adding on to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, adding on to that, um, for me, action as a consumer of art and as a creator of my own art, activism, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I think, like I said before, the art of activism, when I created this, is an ode to the various ways in which people, including yourself, Kajare, um, can truly challenge social injustice. And I said this earlier in the episode, but for me, activism is such a broad spectrum. Again, whether it's poetry, whether it's, I don't know, you banging some pots in a, in a weird arrangement of a flag or something that that provides some type of commentary um the opportunities and the the vessels are so endless um and you know what as long as oppressive regimes continues so will the call for people to rise up and act against it continues um and you know in in response to whether social political equity is obsolete i don't know that's part of why i've developed this podcast because mm. you know we the podcast is here to discover whether we really will see a social political um equity equitable state um or world as you will and if we will really see true liberation um but i guess yeah that's that for do you think that we will see liberation people have asked me this and i'm like i just don't know um I think actually I was asked this on my friend's podcast, Francesco's podcast, Chum Chat UK, um, a couple of years ago. Do I think we'll see liberation? Lord, um, right now in this current climate, I don't think we will see true, like true liberation where everybody is treated the same. I just think society is too ingrained at the moment. I think society is too focused on, um, 
living in the same cycles of behavior so let's talk in the context of race with white privilege and and the ways that it's manifested people are so comfortable living in that if that means they are able to have more visibility and 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 not have to deal with police brutality and if that means their black peer has police brutality and doesn't affect them or their family that's fine for them um which we've seen time and time and time again we see apathy in, in the context of healthcare in the, in the context of class um and i just don't think people are willing to um have that empathy until it affects them directly mm. um and again like i've said before empathy isn't a skill that you can um you can really teach it has to be kind of within you or not with you in you and i whether we and you know even this current um this current witnessing of the genocide of the palestinian people the I, firstly for me I don't think I've been so shocked to see such a divide in discourse I don't think I've been so shocked to see the amount of people who were doing up black squares coming in and saying oh my gosh the Palestinian people are, are this and that and are defending the Israeli government which for me is like I feel like we, we took five steps forward in 2020 and then 10 steps back so do I think we'll see liberation as of right now, I don't think so. I don't want it to be because personally for me in my work, I, I see myself, I'm unrelenting. I, I know that I'll keep going no matter what, but I don't know. I really don't know. Mm. Yeah, it sucks, but I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, finally though, um, yeah, on a lighter note actually, mm-hmm. um, for the aspiring, aspir- wow, Chantal pronunciation, for the aspiring artists and activists around the world, Kajari, um, please share a word of encouragement. I think that one of the most important things mm. for um, artists across the board is to have courage. Yes. Um, and I think courage, what, what do they say? It's not the absence of fear, but it's doing it anyway, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, and I think to do your art, whatever that might be, mm. um, yeah, it requires courage. It requires courage in terms of like just getting it out there, full 100%. stop. Um, and it requires courage, if you, especially if you're talking about something, to kind of just get it out there despite mm. the feedback you might get. 100%. Um yeah, I think it's. I think we're in a generation, or maybe there. The, well, I think there've been many generations where this has been the need, but we're in a generation where um, there is need for courage yeah. and there is need to speak out and say yeah. the things that yeah. need to be said. Yeah. Um, and it's like you were saying earlier. You you can't just wait for other people to do it. No. Um, like we've all been given a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. I think we have um, an obligation to use uh, the gifts and the talents that we've been given. Yes. And we need to steward them well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that often requires courage. So, yeah, yeah, for whoever's listening to this, like, yeah, yeah, be be brave, be bold and just, yeah, walk in the gifts that you've been given. Like, don't waste them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't waste them. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kajari. Um, To add on to that, um, for me, in terms of what I have to share in terms of my encouraging word, um, you know, the ability to create something, um, you know, whether it be written, spoken, we've, I've gone over this time and time again, um, which for the purpose of this episode, pun intended, um, to create something which colors outside the lines of systemic oppression, whether that be climate change, racism, gender, class, geopolitics, or a mixture of all of them, 
is something that should be expressed. Um, you know, be unafraid. Literally, you mentioned this courage. Um, be unafraid to stand out against this to stand out against the socially dominant narrative of white supremacy to be outstanding. Again, as Kajari has literally just said um, in her own words, your own art, um, I say your own art of activism lies deep within you and definitely explore that, you know, because it, it and explore what empowers that especially. Um, and, you know, the more voices we get out there, the more I can sit here and one day say, yes, we will see true liberation one day um, because it's now more than ever, we need to see a different climate. We can't, we can't, we, I don't know how as a society we went into isolation in 2020 and we've come out as a whole in a completely different headspace where it's like, to, to campaign for social justice as a different type of isolation like it, it it's it, we deserve better than this as a people in in my view so yeah anyways so um ending on this podcast kajare which other artists i mean you've mentioned um an exhibition before but which other artists exhibitions and showcases would you recommend to widen one's social political knowledge awareness and activism journey Great question, Chantal. <laughs> um, I I can only speak to what I've seen recently. Yes. Um, so as, as well as um, Chorus and Rememory of Flight. Mm. Um, I don't know whether you've been to the Tate Modern recently. They've got, I'm actually going next um, week. Oh, good. Yeah. You have to check out, um, oh, what's it called? A World in Common. So it's Ooh. an African contemporary photography Fantastic. exhibition. Um there was lots of good work there as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Fabulous. I think lots of exciting artists there. Fab. Thank you so much, Kajare. Um, wow, that's incredible. Um, I'm trying to see if I've got any um, any recommendations, really. Um, in terms of recommendations, um, there is an exhibition going on. I haven't been to it, um, but it's at the Somerset House. It's the Morgan Stanley exhibition. Um, and it's an exhibition on Black British culture and... Um, the Black British culture's contribution to um, British design, British design history, which um, I believe is running until the um, beginning of November. Um, in terms of an exhibition, yes. Sorry, I forgot to say that is a very good exhibition. I did oh, go and been? see that. Yes, fabulous. Um, Harris Elliott is one of the people that was. Um, Harris Elliott cur- helped um, to curate it. Um, yeah, it's really good. Nice. It's really okay, worth cool. going to see. I'm excited. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, also, um, well, it's not on now, but one that's actually stuck out to me um, was an exhibition I went to um, on my 25th birthday in January, and it was called Rebel Rebel um, by Sohelia Sokranvari. Um, the exhibition title, it was actually at the Barbican. It was in the curve. Um, and the title borrows from David Bowie's 1974 uh, cult pop song and pays tribute to the significant courage of 27 female icons from pre-revolutionary Iran who pursued their careers in a culture enamored with Western style but not its freedoms. Um, so at the, at the exhibition um, there were 27 portraits, um, there were some clips um, from different types of um, Iranian film um, which featured some of these um, artists and actresses as well. Um, and there's also a really cute holographic display. I'll try and get some... I'll actually, no, it's an audio-only episode. But, um, yeah, really, really, like, beautiful. Um, really touched me as well. Um, 
it ended in February actually, but yeah, it was. If you were able to see the Rebel Rubble exhibition, please again let us know um, what you enjoyed um, the most, um, and if yeah, what stood out to you, what portrait stood out to you. Um, so yeah, in terms of artists, I've discussed um, Ai Weiwei um, and his incredible work in terms of challenging the Chinese government. Um, he has also curated a documentary film called Cockroach, which follows the 2019 protests in Hong Kong before China placed it back under its judicial and political control. And he is currently working on a docu-series about the life of um, uh, Rohingyan refugees. Um, also, there's Kahinde Wiley, um, an American artist whose work, in his words, and I quote, um, uh, quotes historical sources and positions young black men within the field of power. Um, he is also um, the first black queer artist to be commissioned for a professional portrait. So we did the professional portrait for Barack Obama. Um, there's also um, the Gorilla Girls as well. Um, the Gorilla Girls, who I've re- referenced earlier in this episode, um, are an anonymous group of um, activist artists dedicated to fighting institutional sexism, racism, um, and inequality in the art world um, since their formation in 1985. Um, There's a, a summation of letter campaigns. Um, exhibitions pieces um and because of the anonymity no one to this day no one knows who the gorilla girls are so if i mean you never know how the universe works but if any of you are listening hi hey i'd love to to speak to you that'd be great to have you on the podcast we're manifesting mm-hmm. that um but they say uh, we could be anyone and we are everywhere so very ominous um and one of their pieces which i've actually got here on my script um is a little pop quiz which goes if Black History Month is, if February is Black History Month and March is Women History Month, what happens the rest of the year? I'll go to you. What do you think happens the rest of the year? It's whiteness the rest of the time, isn't it? You know what? Not far off. Discrimination was the answer that they put oh, in. Oh, interesting. Um, and obviously, I cannot be listing all these artists and not actually say Kajare. Oh, um, no. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> all these artists, and yes, yeah, so thank you so much. You can go home now. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, Kajare, of course. Kajare made it. Of course, the special guest in the episode. Um, again, please um, have a look on their social media. Um, again, I'll tag everything um, ready for you to um, peruse. Um, every, yeah, their, their shop, their store, you can get all their merchandise, um, their books, they work kids. I will have Kazari go into more detail and give a better summary than I have. Mm-hmm. But again, all of their artwork, please engage with it. Please share with your networks. Um, and I hope it inspires you to get involved. So to finalize today's episode... You have heard Kajari's incredible insights and nuggets for prospective business owners and our shared experience as activists to some degree. Albeit different types of activism, this conversation in my view challenged the notion in which we as people cannot collectively witness and experience social justice in our outward world, but seek to escape it. When other creators, when creators are people of the world, simply the person is political. However, the lived experience, morals, integrity, knowledge of social and political injustice mean that in my view, it is to a great extent that art should be considered as an instrumental tool. So guys and gals and days, in the the case of the overarching question for today, which was, and I'll remind you all, the consumption of art allows spectators to enjoy art, escape reality and engage with its unique messaging. This can mislead the consumer to view art as a separate um, entity to the world in which it is created in rather than a reflection of the world. 
To which extent should art be recognised as an instrumental tool for society to authentically critique, question and act change, enact change, um, for our realities through the lens of politics, power and race? Now, of course, subject to the variables that both Kajari and I have mentioned, the answer to that question has and is yet to be confirmed. Wow. (laughs) So, Kajari, please, in better words than I could, um, let the folks know where they can find you and how we can keep supporting you and the incredible work that you do. Um, You can find me on social media, um, Kajari Made It, at Kajari Made It. So that's K-A-Z-V for Victor, A-R-E, Made It, um, on Instagram, on TikTok, not that I do much TikToking. I, I lurk more than post there. Um, Twitter, um, and I think I've still got a Facebook account. Um, so you can find me there. Um, I've also got a website where you can buy lots of fun greetings cards, stationery, mugs, notebooks. I've got some um, lovely, yeah, new notebooks coming out. Whoop, whoop. Um, so yeah, you can find me in those places. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kajare. Um, I've actually got a little uh, a lovely gift from Kajare, actually, a very sneak peek into what may be coming out. Um, beautiful notebook. So please, um, creatives, find a, support a black business, importantly. But um, yeah, find yourself one of these amazing notebooks and get your ideas in them. Uh, so in terms of the podcast, as you know, uh, you can find the podcast on anywhere you listen to a podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Google, um, and the like. Um, please leave a lovely well actually be honest say it with your chest um as um, another podcast shits and gigs says but please leave a review um that'd be helpful um youtube please subscribe um you can find the podcast at underscore to be confirmed pod on tiktok and instagram as mentioned already kajare socials will be tagged all of the websites will be logged in so you can um have a look there um if you are interested in the sources that i used I do keep a list of them. Um, let me know and I will provide them for you all as well to have a peruse for yourself. Um, but also, if you have a guest, someone that you would like me to feature on this podcast, um, please let me know. Um, from time to time, I will ask for um, insight and input. Um, so I'd like to, to know what you'd like to see. And of course, Kajara and I spoke quite a bit today. Um, but if you feel there's anything that you know Kajara and I have missed or there's a, an element that you want to expand on, again, comment section, that's what it's there for. Um, please feel free to to explore that um, but as always I am so eternally grateful for your support um, again as I always say it's only a matter of time this podcast will be internationally renowned um, but as always I will see you all very very soon on the next episode of To Be Confirmed at a date and time to be confirmed <laughs> so um, yeah love you lots and I'll see you very soon hey thank you for joining us on another episode of To Be Confirmed I hope that you feel inspired and please don't forget to like, share, comment, save and subscribe to the podcast. We'll be seeing you very, very soon with another episode at a date to be confirmed. Wavelength, we're about to play. Wavelength, 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 we're about to play wavelength. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So the rules are simple. We play wavelength. You ready? Okay, I've got a number. Maybe let's let's go for chocolate bars. Okay, cool. Hmm. Okay, cool.
Um, I'm thinking of crunchy. Oh, okay. that's got to be like a three, surely. Really? See, I'd say that's high. No, really? Although no, you look shocked on. as when I when I said three, you're like you're shocked. So. I need to stop. Okay, so okay. it's obviously higher in your estimation. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Um, second one. Give me a uh, day of the week. Mm, Wednesday. Oh. That's pretty mid. It's pretty medium, isn't it? Mm. It's not the start. It's not. Mm. Maybe a bit lower than. Do you like Wednesday for some like Who knows? reason? <laughs> Maybe you've got some obsession with Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and then your third and final one. Mm, TV shows, TV shows, movies. It's gonna absolutely get people being like, what? Mm. But um, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is a good film, in my opinion. Oh, oh. Oh, Did you see her face? So we got crunchy. She was shocked that you said it was bad. Okay, so it's it's not as low as three, so but it's I, obviously not high because be finding me, yeah. And Wednesday. And Wednesday is mid, so I think that's like a five. No, that it's three. Five. I was shocked because you got it. Oh, it's a three. Oh, <laughs> it was really? A three. Oh, okay. So I, I hate crunchy bars. I don't like Wednesdays. And oh, funny. you were shocked that she understood. Yeah, that's oh. why I was like, I need to so start. I was the only one that was thinking. So, like, finding. The reason why I say finding Nemo before people start jumping me in the comments is because, like, I watched. But well, to be fair, I didn't really watch up wearing. What? I didn't grow up watching Disney films, so that's probably one aspect of it. Two, um, I watched it. I did fall asleep in between, but I just I didn't connect with it that mm. much. So maybe I'll watch it again. You guys can convince me, but yeah, it's a three for me. I'm sorry. Anyway, that was wavelength. Wait, um, let's do another round. Oh, another round. Yeah, because okay, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. we say categories, yeah, right? Yeah. See, I'm cluing on. Okay. Mm. Um. Oh, snacks. Jaffa cakes. Ooh. What are you saying? Tasty. For me, that is horrendous. I hate. Do you know what's funny? I was going to actually bring some Jaffa cakes to the studio today. I wouldn't have touched them. <gasps> I wouldn't even looked at them. Wow. That hurts my what heart. What do you think? Because it's either you like love them or you hate them. Yeah. I like them. We'll go with Mitch. Let's see the next okay. category. Next category is going to be month of the year. January. Ooh. That's my birth month. So. Again, it's very... Because... Oh yeah, it's subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Cause I could be like. I like a new eh. year. I like a Chantal birthday. Whoop. Final category. Yeah, final one. Um, oh, seasons of the year. Winter. Remember. True. Remember. Oh, Not it's fun. gonna break my heart. It's gonna break my heart. But what numbers do we are we gonna agree on? It's not high. It's not high, no, is it? It's not. <laughs> it's, um, I'm gonna say four. I mean, my spirit's saying lower. three. Lower, you know? My spirit's saying three, but I'm saying four. So just we had difference. January winter and Jaffa cakes. Yeah. So I'm saying she hates. I reckon you hate Jaffa cakes. So yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say two. My spirit's saying three, but let's go for two for diversity. Okay. It's a solid one. Oh. Hey, hey. And I'm I, I really, I really need to speak on this <laughs> because. I don't know why Jaffa cakes exist. Are you trying to be a biscuit? Yeah, Are you trying that. to be a cake? Just pick one, pick one side. It's like the Keir Starmer of <laughs> snacks. Like just be something. Yeah, just the jelly, the jelly in the middle. What is okay. it? Uh, Horrendous. <gasps> Take them out of the shops immediately. Agreed. Wow. Absolutely I, terrible. I feel sad. The and I'm really sorry <laughs> that- um, I'll be like, wait. No, no, go on, go on. <laughs> no, no, you go, you go. No, 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 honestly. I think the only thing that I can give you is that like, 
when I first bite into one or when I first feel one, it kind of tastes as if like you've left a biscuit pack open. Exactly. That's horrible. But like, mm. it's not like any other stale biscuit. Do you know what I mean? But like, it still tastes nice in my opinion. <laughs> this, the side eye I'm getting like, right Absolutely now. not. <laughs> absolutely not. And I'm so sorry that January is your birth month because... <gasps> I'm so sorry. I'm proud. As in, the one, thing, <laughs> the one thing that I love about January is that like, at least, you know, you start, you start your new like age year and yeah. the like yeah. fresh new year as like it all goes yeah. together but that's 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 about it I like mean, no one born. has money in january no one when, does when in january is your birthday 18th my cap okay okay so people might mm, no get still money again. yeah getting money again <laughs> but like it's yeah. still a bit of a precarious it is a precarious time but you know I, lots of I my I, I know lots of wonderful people born in january so it's not anything against people born in january it's just the <laughs> month yeah it's cold it's horrible it's cold. like you're poor like Aww. there's just no and here was i like hey guys i'm here to arrive i'm ready to be born everyone's like yeah <laughs> yeah it's just um and again winter obviously that's that's a solid one wow. that really that's is a my solid favorite one. season really because I, <gasps> I like being cold i prefer being really i'd rather be so cold and heat myself up than so hot that i am struggling to breathe and i'm in a heat wave oh my goodness so when it was a heat wave here you're one of those people that were saying i wanted to be cold yeah <gasps> i sat by i had a, i actually no bought way. my floor fan i used to i got into ice yeah, just um, get a fan and just enjoy. I, I don't sleep understand. I buy my fan. I have my window open sometimes, um, but I have my fan all at night when I sleep. Oh which my is goodness! Like, people are like, "What? You're gonna mm. get sick?" But I'm like, "No, I like being cold because like then I can wrap myself up in my 15 blankets and just no. yeah, it's comforting. Maybe it's part of the Nemo complex. Get some help, Chantal. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> But yeah, oh my gosh. Um, But again, I hope you enjoyed that lovely segment of Wavelength um, with Kajare Francesca. That's going to be the new theme song now. With Kajare Francesca and I. Um, Please, again, I cannot thank you enough, Kajare, for your time, your support, your effort, your patience. It's been a seven-month baby, really. um, And I'm so proud that it's been birthed. That's so weird to say. But I'm just happy that the episode is is here in in the full term and in, in the atmosphere and... Yeah, onwards and upwards, really. But I hope to see you. I know we'll see you again at some point in time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please support Kajara. Please support Francesco and his amazing, amazing plights. Um, do you want to say anything about that? Or are you okay with that? I'll just say Chantel is amazing in the effort that she puts in for these uh, episodes. So yes. you need to give back and subscribe. Like, leave a nice comment, as my dad would say. Leave a nice oh. comment. Uh, and spread the word well, alright guys it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me thank you but yeah I will see you all very very I don't know why I'm sing songing everything but I will see you all very very soon guys at guys gals and days at a time to be confirmed please <laughs> oh shit sorry yeah <laughs> I thought you were waiting to press the button One, two, one, two, mic check.
Mike Check. <laughs>